0: Hey what's going on everybody It is episode number 70 of the Audible Farm Podcast And this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee Couchtown Coffee is my favorite coffee It's roasted right here in Iowa Uh, They will ship it to your house There's not a whole lot that's better than shipping coffee straight to your house You don't even have to go out in the morning You don't have to go to one of those big box places You don't have to go to the store and buy one of the same coffee everyone else has. You can get something roasted especially for you in a small batch and shipped to your house. And it is amazing. Couchtown Coffee, uh, you can go to www.couchtowncoffee.com, find the coffee section, uh, make an order. And when you make an order, tell them Audible Farm sent you. And in order to do that, make sure you enter the code word KKB. KKB. That is the code word. It's in the description section down below. It will save you 20% on your order this week when you order at CouchTownCoffee.com. 20% off your order. Enter that code word KKB. Why is the code word KKB? Well, this week I'm sitting down talking with the Chris Carr Band. Uh, Not one of them, not two of them, all of them. The The whole shebang. Everybody's here. And it's, it's pretty wild. Um, it took a while to set this thing up, but once we got it all set up, we were good to go. And this episode is a good one. It's pretty long. It's one of the longer episodes I've done. Um, you know, I kind of just sit down and talk with everybody in the band. I've talked with Scott Dahl before a couple times, and I've talked with uh, Jeff Blummel before on the podcast so you can scroll back and and look at some of those if you want some more in-depth on what those a little bit more in-depth information as to what those two guys are up to and uh, you know otherwise I spent a lot of the time just kind of seeing what kind of stories these guys had how they got together some of their past and you know just the normal podcast stuff Um, uh, one of the fun things about this one is I you know I talked to Scott Dahl once before And another time I talked to him was uh, mostly about the Rockin' Picnic, which is an annual show in the summer that takes place in Humboldt, Iowa. And uh, he did mention that they do have a winter party coming up, so I'm going to mention that uh, in the intro and outro but probably up until the show hits, because I'll tell you what, those rock and picnic shows are tons of fun, and I don't see why this one's going to be any different, just because it's in the winter and it's indoors. Uh, they're calling it the Rock and Picnic Winter Party 2020. It takes place on February 22nd, 2020. That's an easy one to remember: 222 2020. And uh, one of my favorite bands from around the area is going to be there. It's a Jay Clyde band. Uh, they, they are so awesome. The show is still going to take place. I know that uh, Rustics has switched owners, but the show is still taking place. Music starts at 8. It is free. Make sure you come up to Humboldt for that one. It's going to be a great time. The Rock and Picnic Winter Party featuring J. Clyde band. And they are going to be at Rustics on February 22nd. And that's in uh, you know just a few weeks, so check that one out. Uh, I on the Audible Farm page have shared a flyer for that. I will be sharing the event page for that soon, and uh, check it out. That's going to be a great show, just like this episode. This episode was awesome. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly how to go about doing it, whether or not I wanted to mic everybody up, or or how we wanted to do that. So actually, I. Uh, well, I got a little help from Chris Carr, anybody that knows Chris Carr knows that he's good at the sound stuff. So I'll tell you what, this it worked out great. I want to say thanks fresh off the bat. Before we even get into the interview, I want to say thanks to Chris Carr for uh, helping me set this up and making it work out uh, as well as it did. I really appreciate it. This episode is great. I had a wonderful time sit down talking with these guys. I want to say thanks to each of them because they traveled from uh, around the area, but uh, some traveled farther than others, and we all got to meet up in one location on a day. I'm assuming they usually have practice, so huge shout out to those guys for taking some time out of their day to sit down and talk with me. I really appreciate it, and I know you guys are going to love this one, too. This is episode number 70 with the Chris Carr Band. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Dun, know, dun, I've actually debated doing like a track by track thing and smushing it all together acapella style just for fun for once. But we yeah. could do that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so right. Lean <laughs> all right
1: Take one Take two All right, here we
0: go uh, Sitting down today with uh, the entire Chris Carr band um, uh, Every one of us is here it was, it was one of those things where I tried to get uh, an interview with each one of these guys But it turned out to be difficult So what we did was uh, I crashed one of their practice days Where they all agreed to come up here and uh, sit in one room together And I could knock them all out and I've got everybody here. And uh, Jeff Blummel's here. I've talked to him before. Uh, he's waving to the microphone if you can't see him. Hey. Uh, <laughs> that's
2: what a wave sounds like. That's what,
0: yeah. <laughs> and <that's>, Sound wave. <laughs> and that's Bruce Borchers there. And I've got Scott Dahl here. I've talked to Scott a couple times. Uh, once I just talked to Scott about what he's got going on. Another time it was uh, heavily involved. We talked about The Rockin' Picnic, which is a yearly show in Humboldt. So check that one out. I've also got Brad Strickland. And uh, I've got Chris Carr himself sitting down as well with me. And uh, the setup's a little bit different, but the show is going to be the same. So uh, I'm just going to sit down and talk with these guys. Uh, The first question I guess I have is, how did all you guys meet? Like, how did all this come together as it sits right now? Um, We got people pointing at each other. Go ahead, lay it on them.
3: (laughs) Uh, Chris was playing solo gigs. Um, I kind of stepped away from a band and he invited me to show up one night and it seemed to work. And so I showed up again and it worked again that night. And then we were hanging out at the music store one day and Bruce rolls in and a couple of guitars got picked up. We started running a couple of tunes and there was three part harmony and that worked really well. And then uh, three of us were doing some gigs and, Brad showed up and and that worked really well. And then Chris hunted Scott down and threatened him within an inch of his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story I was told.
1: That's how it went. <laughs>
0: oh man! So you guys are all obviously uh, pretty good buddies. What music shop was it that you uh, ran into Chris at? That was
3: Eighth Note Music. Eighth Note Music <sighs> on the corner of Eighteenth Street. And 8th Avenue North.
0: That's uh, The only
3: straight-through road through Fort Dodge because it goes from Olson Park up to the stadium. And there used to be a rail line. That
4: was, that was a trolley line. Trolley line, yeah. That ran north and south, and then it connected with Central Avenue. It was the T-Line. Okay. And so 8th Note Music was a general store in 1905, and it was a fuel and water stop.
0: Huh. Oh, well, that's cool. So, yeah. But you've worked for... Uh, Chris, you've worked for different music stores, though, uh, um, over, over time. Because I, I want to say I, I ran into you initially at music stores, uh, you know, over the like, last 15 years somewhere.
4: Um, if you ran into me in town, I would have worked at Riemann's first. Uh, I started working there, but that's that's 25 years ago now. Oh, okay. Um, and so I worked there uh, from 94 to 96, and then we moved to Minnesota. So and I All was right. I was up there eight years and we came back and there was nothing happening here musically, uh, when you left or when you came back? When we when we came back, there were no bands playing, um, no bars having bands. I mean it was just as dead as it could be.
0: Um, and that's here uh, Fort Dodge area. You're talking yeah, about?
4: So. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was in shock, um, and then uh, I was working for. A company that does amusements and uh, they were doing the Iowa lottery touch play those machines well then that was all voted out and I looked at the owner's son and I said you wait and see I'll be playing every weekend because people are gonna need stuff to do and literally within three months um, I was in a band and we were playing pretty much every weekend
0: yeah uh I mean what year was it with that you came back because I remember growing up and there wasn't like like live music it's not like it wasn't an option completely, but it kind of wasn't
4: no uh, I came back in the uh, in uh, the summer or actually fall of 2004 yeah that sounds about right I and, went in high uh, school then and then I took a I took a job and I wasn't playing um, I didn't know what I was going to be doing um, I was just glad to be back because I, I have a lot of friends here and you know, it was it was horrible to, to see. You know, I'd left, and there was a lot of music here, and that's the reason that I came to this area. I came here in the early '80s, and I played a place called the Holiday House, which people would know as the Budget Host Inn, which they've just tore down recently. Oh, um, so that's where I, that's how I came to town. I didn't grow up here. I was I'm originally from Cedar Rapids. Okay. So um, I come here, and and I'm playing, but uh, I'll be here, you know, a week and then gone and we might be back in three months is mm-hmm. how that went. So I come back, and I started to make friends, but soon realized that uh, this town had, I think, seven clubs running music nightly mm-hmm. uh, at least six days a week. And uh, so there was tons of stuff going on, lots of musicians. The, the town was predominantly a country town with one, cl- with one club that had a hard rock in it, and that was Legends. All right. And um so um that that's how that was going. But th- this was a busy town and I I just remember thinking, "Wow, there's really great musicians here." Um I frequented here and then I frequented Mankato and as uh, Mankato, Minnesota, and as well there were really great musicians there.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy to think how like I always think to myself, "What caused a drop off?" cuz um, it seems like, and I'm not trying to put an age gap between us, but between how you guys' age, like, it seems like you guys played a whole bunch of music, a whole bunch of places in the 90s, 80s, mm-hmm. you know, in somewhere in that area, and then all of a sudden it started just weaning off. What do you think attributes, if anybody has any ideas, like, what do you think attributed to, like, because it wasn't just Fort Dodge. I'm I'm assuming it was pretty much every smaller-ish, you know, non-big city like Des Moines, it just, music just, there was less and less and less of it. What Anybody have any bright thoughts?
4: Well, a couple, a couple of things happened. Um, the, the drunk driving laws really hit hard. Um, and also dram shop insurance for clubs. So it really it killed their profits, mm-hmm. which made them stop having bands. Lo- along with that, then grunge music is coming in. So you've got Nirvana and bands like that and um, the kids that are are listening that aren't actually really interested in in other types of music at that point Um, it used to be that how you came to play like all of us um, you would look to the older players and if you got lucky enough to jam with them they would remember you and if a player was down that night sick you could get a fill-in gig so in a way, they fostered you into live music, the live music scene. So you were going to play covers, but you were going to play a lot of older covers. I mean, I remember playing in Cedar Rapids. I was in a band that had 375-song repertoire, and I played everything that was from <laughs> from the 1940s all the way up to what was current at that time. Uh, but for some reason, that that didn't happen anymore. And so I can't tell you exactly why. It just didn't happen. So I think after I left, that was all really taking shape. And I was gone eight years, and so by the time I came back, that's where we were. But I was I was up in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, and uh, I had an original band up there. And we, we were busy doing that kind of thing, and I was a sound guy, too. So.
0: All right. Uh, Jeff, you... Uh... You, you know, singing musicals uh, currently, <coughs> did you do anything before you ran into Chris? Like, what what did you do to keep you busy? Oh, yeah, I, I
3: mean, um, when Chris moved up to the cities, I had just recently moved to here. Okay. And that's how I actually met Chris through his wife, because we worked for the same company. Okay. But when I was out west, I played in a couple of different bands out there. All right. Around the... Uh, Colorado Springs area first, and then up around the Boulder area with that. And there's a lot of musicians there. Um, There's 60, 65 year old guys that are still going to be rock stars living in Boulder. Yeah. They know they are eventually. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) It just hasn't turned for them yet. But they still play, and you could sit in with like some really, really good, top notch players, or Mm there would be open jam nights and guys that had like five or six. Platinum albums and multiple gold records would walk in, and it's like, take that tune off the list. We're not—that's his tune. We're not yeah. playing that <laughs> okay. tune, yeah. you know. Yep. And uh, you know stuff with that. And then I came here, and you know, and then uh, I was raising kids at the time, so I kind of took a break for a few years, and then um, when they were all grown and, you know, doing their thing. Then I started getting back into the music scene, started doing some musicals and plays then, and, and, uh, but then really missed playing. Mm-hmm. And so then got in a band, uh, and then when that kind of broke up, then things were kind of idle for about six months. And then Chris and I ran into each other and we got well, and you together. You were kind and of
4: hanging, you were, you would come over to, uh, community Pizza would yeah. be playing over there with a band.
3: Yep. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. Missed the, miss you know. But God, then then you that. sat,
4: you sat in with us. You s- We were doing You're No Good. And you sat oh, yeah. in us, with us one time. And yeah. I was like, Yeah, nobody wow. was
3: singing that high harmony. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah. I was like That's God, really you gotta cool. have that high harmony in yeah. there. And then yeah. I was, I remember doing that the first time and you were like, what the, where's that coming <laughs> Where, from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where's, <laughs> where's that Because I missed that. You gotta have that three and four
0: part going through there, so. Yeah, I mean, no, you mentioned it, that song, that definitely <coughs> does kind of make that song, you know, the high harmony yeah.
2: And figured up. the guy with the lowest voice can carry the high harmony. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I was, you know, in the, um, when I was a kid growing up, we had a piano in the basement. Mm-hmm. And my mom was always like, I want to play drums. I had some cousins that were in a band, and I'd been watching them since I was like five. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to play drums. We're not playing drums. We have a piano. Okay. And so when I was 18, I got this apartment, and it was like, buy a couch or buy drums. <laughs> buy drums. And I could sit on the floor, you know.
5: <laughs> and
3: uh, that's kind of where that started, and I taught myself how to play. And, um, you know, so that's how the kind of the music thing started there uh, for me. But uh, it just took off from there. You know, just you start in – but I, I – Before that I was gonna say my only instrument was my voice. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn I would listen to, you know, Dan Fogelberg, The Beatles, Crosby Stills and Nash, all of these bands that the birds that harmonized. And I would listen to these albums so much, I would learn all the parts. Mm -hmm. You know, from you know, okay, somebody's singing down here. And then somebody's there and so, mm-hmm. so, and you just I would listen to them enough to where I could cover all those parts, mm-hmm. and that's why it worked out with You're No Good. I just kind of walked in there, that part's missing. We need you got to have that part, mm-hmm. and it fills that out. And yep. it, it's kind of how you know we kind of got the bug in each other's ear and took off from there.
0: I'd have to say, that's probably one of like the best parts about you guys all as a band is the fact that. You can all sing, and you sing harmonies. You do it. You you do it well. You have a very full vocal presence as a band, which I think a lot of other bands may seem to lack. Not that I'm like trying to be, you know, picking favorites, and I'm not just saying that because you guys are sitting next to me either. Like it's, it's uh, it's no uh, it's it's very clear cut. If somebody comes to see you live, it's a very full sounding band, which is. Uh, you know, I think lends itself to the fact that you have two very good vocalists singing, and uh, each and every one of you, I think, takes a turn. Brad, you sing as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, and Which Bruce is kind of a
5: new thing for me. It's, uh, I didn't start singing and playing until I was with the Chris Carr band. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I still struggle with it once in a while. But, um, oh, yeah. We yeah. all yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I'm definitely surely not a singer, uh, so anybody that can sing with any capacity always makes me kind of wowed even though I have tried to play my hand at singing a few times, but... uh, You do well. I mean, it's... You you could... (laughs) I'm all right, all right. You can definitely... You can tell the difference between some people of your caliber and mine, but it's... It's it's really kind of cool. It's uh, you guys were one of the first bands I recall seeing in the area, made up of local musicians, and I was just like, dude, these guys are awesome, you know. And it was it was one of those things when you're playing guitar and you're younger and you're just kind of like, dude, I'm so good at the guitar and I could shred all these power chords and you know, watch me with my long hair and just you, you get that attitude. And then you go see people that can actually play their instruments and you're just like, geez, you know, like, okay, I got a long ways to go. And these guys are from around here, you know. And yeah, but we we all started that same way. The, I mean, we were.
4: Person, you know. We were cripples. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go through that. You're I remember, you know, singing, we we're just like you're talking about. I would sit there and learn how to sing all these different parts, you know, and I'd have my headphones on, and I'd be sitting in a beanbag chair, and I think I was like thirteen years old, you know, and I got this Panasonic uh, headset on that I just absolutely loved. And I am singing to the Doobie Brothers, and my dad comes home from work. And he can hear something, and it sounds like somebody getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes running in, and the look on his face is, oh, my God, I thought you were dying. And, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Coming from a dad, it's hard to tell. It's like, are you serious or you're not? But at the same rate, I've definitely heard that one. Like uh, The funniest one I heard was I was at a band practice, and somebody walked in, and they were like, you know, I was... I saw a horrific accident once, and it was this trailer full of pigs and this trailer full of tin cans, and they ran into each other on the highway, and it sounded a lot like this. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've definitely, heard, I've definitely heard something yeah. along those lines. <laughs> before. Um, well that's good. I mean, you gotta take it as it comes, though. It's usually non-musically talented people saying things like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that Bruce, rate, that uh, rates
3: right up there with the vinegar and potpourri truck.
0: What's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, Never mind. Another, another time. Another time. Bruce, uh, Bruce, you play guitar. You play, uh, I'm assuming, most of what I would call the leads uh, in Chris Carr Band. Um, as far as, uh, I know that Chris, you play a lot of guitar while you sing. And you are, I mean, I guess... It bears your namesake, the band, but you do a lot of the leads in the in the songs. I'm assuming.
2: Well, um, Chris and I carry probably half and half the load. I know he tries to throw more at me, but he's as capable as I am. All right. And uh, and we're we're definitely bread and butter. Okay. Our, as far our styles as, are yeah a we're, lot we're different we're from each apples other. Apples and oranges. Um, yep. And which is great. I think Absolutely that's one. Absolutely great. I learned stuff from him every time he puts well, his fingers versa. on the yeah. on the
0: fretboard That's good to hear because that's yeah. actually how I started learning. You'd find somebody that knows something, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, how'd you do that?" You know, or you oh, watch yeah. them, and you're like, "I'm gonna try that when I get home." You know. Yep. So the nice thing about that is that there, it doesn't matter what age you are.
4: You know, you you can look at a kid that's you know 20 years younger than you, and and go, "Wow, how did you do that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. yeah. Well,
2: yeah, never be intimidated by better players because that's who you learn from.
0: Exactly. You know? exactly. Yeah. I think it takes a long time to uh, erase that... I mean, I'm going to call call back this a lot. It takes a long time to erase that teenage e- ego to yep. to get to that point. Yep. I mean, yep. I was in my 20s by the time I got to that point, so...
2: Yeah, when a, when a 12-year-old shows up that can play rings around you, you you're you erased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your day is over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. that was... I mean... I started started going to jam nights at like thirty, and that was one thing I realized like there's people younger than me that are better than me. Oh you yeah, know? and then just like, well, geez, you know, I need to get off the couch and play a little bit. Yeah. Like, did you start originally playing guitar? Is that what? Uh, uh
2: yeah, I wanted to be a drummer. You know. All right. Uh, couldn't afford. I, I actually borrowed a set, and it was like parts of a set, and was not satisfied. Couldn't get what I wanted, so. I think my brother got the first guitar and taught me my first three chords, and uh, I stole his guitar, and I stole his bass, too, and uh, so So I learned bass and guitar and finally bought a guitar, I rented, I rented my first guitar from the music store.
0: So did your brother play, too, then? Yep, my brother's
2: still a bass player. Okay. Very good one, yep. All right. Yeah, we were raised, uh, though, not the whole family was musical, but most. Mm-hmm. My mom had us doing barbershop around the piano. Oh, cool. When we were young. Wow. That's and, awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, so we had, uh, our basement was Jam Central, you know, in our garage. Yeah. Light a rose, oh, light a rose, oh. one, <laughs> singing the the hard. I don't know that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now it was something I can't remember those songs. Um, yeah, I'd have to reach back to find find those songs. But Isn't that
4: funny though? It, it, and that's the culture we 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 had all those old songs. That yeah. were really available yeah. to us because music was. Uh, when I was a kid, music was just such a huge deal. It it was, I would liken it to. Um, Whatever the most popular thing is right now. um, It it had the impact that the cell phone had. Um, It it was special. And Mm -hmm. like you you had entertainment shows on TV. And they might have three acts on there. They might have an actor. But they'd always have somebody musical. And you would always gravitate to see that. You'd wait. You know, oh, I can't wait to see this, you know. And then we had things like um, the Midnight Special. That we could watch oh, all the latest yeah, bands, yeah, and, and and that was huge. I and mean, your parents would have to let you stay up late, so you, could watch <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, you know, and you'd beg them. Yep. But that's those some of those first bands. I mean, I remember seeing Bachman Turner Overdrive for the first time, you know, and and they had just had their big hit out. You know, their first hit, and uh, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I yep. can't wait to play my drum set. Your first record <laughs> you know?
2: player when you could spend hours before bed listening to that album over and yep. over, you know? Yeah.
3: yeah. Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yeah. Yep. And there was a, Kansas came out of that, and right. uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section came out of that cool. show. Cool. There were some, some bands you're like, oh, well, these guys are pretty good, and then... A year and a half later, you're paying ticket prices to go see them, and they're mm-hmm. kicking out great tunes. Yeah, and they're on the, the radio.
4: Well, and you know, if you go to YouTube, you can see a lot of that stuff now, and go back and and those bands were playing live. You know, it wasn't like bandstand yeah. where they'd you know lip sync to the music. They were really playing, and and you found out who was good and who wasn't. Same thing with Saturday Night Live. Was, you know, as soon as the yeah. band hits Saturday Night Live, you know if they're good or not
0: yeah i mean you can say that up until what was it uh oh yeah was it, it wasn't was it ashley simpson yeah yes. oh yeah, yeah 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 got caught doing that, that. <laughs> Got caught doing the thing but uh you know and that was like you're saying though like music being the most popular thing ever i remember growing up and i i grew up just before like uh internet era before email before all that so like the first part of my life i remember that and it's just uh, you go over to people's houses and it'd just be walls of music and it was always all about, you know, what's on the radio and what are you listening to and all this other stuff. And then, you know, kind of the internet kind of started truncating that with the downloading of music. I think it kind of cheapened its value. I agree. Um, uh, that's something I still think the internet's trying to recover from and find a way around that because... Uh, I mean, if you look at it objectively, like Spotify just kind of stepped in the middle and they're the new Napster, in all honesty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Right. Yeah,
4: because yeah. artists aren't getting paid
0: for squat for what's, no. what's going on there. No, and, uh, it's, it's rough, you know, and that's, that's what's leading a lot of artists. They'll put their stuff on there and never advertise it. They'll say, here's my album on iTunes if you want to buy it. But it's, you know, if you can come upon it and find it, they'll, you know, go ahead and listen to it. And I mean, I even talked about that uh, recently with uh, Clint Riedel. Or he's just like, I don't know, I don't like to tell people it's on Spotify, but, you know, like... And he said the best part about that was the whole fact that people actually, if you tell them that they can buy it, people will actually go buy it, though, because they want to support what you're doing. And I feel like there's a little bit of that turning back around, though, as far as the music scene around here. I think CD sales
4: rely mostly, at least for smaller artists like, like, like Clint and myself and, you know, whoever's writing, I think... That's going to be your sales, are going to be at your shows. Yeah, yeah. Because they're right there, they're in the moment, and they're liking what they hear, and then, then you can extend that out to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good way to, to promote that. I, j- I just signed up for, well, I, I bought new studio software, and so now I'm on SoundCloud because of it. But I also signed up for GarageBand, which I've never done before. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a steep learning curve for an old guy. Nah. <laughs> you know, to try to figure all of that out, I have no idea what I'm doing with that stuff yet.
0: Oh, well, I think I think you guys um, are pretty capable of that kind of stuff. Like as far as even traversing the internet, you always seem to have flyers and events for every one of your shows. Like as far as the Chris uh, Carr band goes, you got a Facebook page. I mean, you got a website. So I mean, you're you've got it all out there. It's there for people to see. Um, and for anybody listening, uh, just scroll down into the description section. I'll put a link to uh, as much stuff that, uh, they'll let me, (laughs) I guess. So you can find all their stuff super easy as far as going to see them live, booking them whatever. Um, you know, we were talking to, I'm kind of just going down the line here, talking to everybody about, uh, what's going on as far as like how, how long they've played music and where they started and stuff. And, uh, you know, Brad's been the silent guy in the podcast (laughs) for the most part. So, uh, you play bass, and uh, Chris Carband, is uh, bass your instrument of choice? Is that where you uh, started? It, it or is. did you start as a drummer, too? Uh, no, I, oh. did, I did not. I'm, <laughs> I'm the oddball. I did not have uh, aspirations
5: of being a drummer. Okay. He does play, uh, though. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple beats I can pound out, but that's, a, that's about it. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I really didn't start playing bass until I was probably 26, 27 years old. All right. Um, and I'm only 30 now, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they can't see me.
0: Anyway. <laughs> actually, oh
5: <my> <laughs> way to go, Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, I have a good woo. hairdresser, by the way. It's my <laughs> wife. Uh, thank you, Amy. Um, no, I started playing bass uh, at a church, actually. Oh, cool. Um, it was New Covenant Church. The pastor, um, this would have been in the early 90s, mid-90s. He's like, hey, do you want to... And he'd heard me play uh, keys at a outreach thing we had downtown. Uh, so I had a little bit of experience on keys, but it really wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, started. he just asked me one day, he's like, hey, do you... uh?" do you want to try playing bass? And I was like, yeah, okay. Sounds great. You know? And, um, I think it was playing, I don't know. I think they gave me like two or three weeks to, to learn it. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the instrument and, uh, you know, started learning, uh, you know, on VHS tapes even. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, watching some things on, uh, Larry Graham and, okay. uh, just some different bass players. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just really fell in love with the instrument, fell in love with it, and been playing with it, playing bass ever since. So, cool. Yeah.
0: you ever play in a band uh, after the church but before Chris Carr?
5: Um, There's a few, but nothing, uh, nothing that ever evolved to anything. All right. <laughs> you know, well, a couple shows here and there. But, all right. Uh, uh, yeah, I've played with some talented musicians. Uh, Tony Brown, he used to be in the area. Okay. Um, super I think he's in, uh, he's been,
4: in he is over in what, Dubuque, somewhere Dubuque. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right he works
5: uh, uh, but fabulous guitar player um, and yeah I wish he would have stayed in the area that would have been would have been cool mm-hmm. but uh, yeah not really I mean there was there was a few like I said a few that didn't really amount to much um, mostly church stuff so
0: yeah you know as far as yeah, playing yeah, an in assistant a ch- as, <laughs> as far as <laughs> playing in a church though like that was one of the first place like uh, you know got my chops as far as like learning how to play guitar it was just like can you play uh something with a little bit of distortion that sounds a little bit like this church music and it's like yeah, I can play open chords or play power chords that sound right, like that and right. have it just go away in the background we'll play it for some youth stuff so the kids are like dude this rocks you know Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. so yep. You, you plug in the cheap combo amp and away you go but like I I felt like learning in a church environment was a uh, very low pressure you're not trying to shred anything right, right. nice and slow yeah. paced yep um, you know that kind of you know it's conducive to learning as far as it I'm is concerned. it is um, and yeah just you know as different songs come out
5: you're just playing most most of the time uh you know there's a, there's originals that we've done too but uh, for the most part you're listening to something mimicking it and yep. uh and it, yeah that's really how i've learned um, yeah. oh that's
0: cool yeah I mean, that's probably one of the benefit each and every one of you has is you probably learn to play by ear as opposed to learning how to play by tabs or just leaning on the internet and some guy just being like, you just play it like this. And that's, you know, because, I mean, there's so many YouTube videos out there where some guys just taking a videotape of his fretboard and just putting it online and right, slow, right. slow-mo in it. Yeah. Um, which which is awesome. Oh, I mean, it is. It is. It's it is. Easy I, I've learn. learned some stuff
5: that way, too, uh, in more recent
0: years. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you. Th- I mean, I'd like to get each one of your opinions. What do do you think? Do you think it was better for you guys musically for growth to play and try and learn things by ear than it was to kind of use the Internet and lean on somebody? Because, I mean, I've I've had this debate even with myself, but I've had it with other people where it's... uh, Because, I mean, it's almost like you have an instructor at your disposal at all times on the Internet. But at the same rate, you can't really communicate with that person. Right, right. Um,
2: Yeah, back when I started, there wasn't any internet or yeah well it just wasn't and it wasn't uh, even videos. so my brother was in bands and uh, and uh the guitarists in those bands let me hang around you know and if i wasn't playing i was their sound guy or the roadie yep but uh i learned from them you know and my brother-in-law which i still play with he uh he was in one of those bands and uh he plays upside down and backwards so oh. I had to learn what he was doing first. Yeah. But once I did, I learned a lot from him. Okay. And uh, he was way more accomplished than me and learned tons from just being there, you know. So I think that's more important to get out there and play it and do it with the people that are doing it better than you, mm-hmm. if you can. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, now, as far as the Internet goes, it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. I've, I've used it recently. Um I don't use it much because it's not in my schedule. All right. But uh boy when I'm searching for something special that I don't have on a song, boom, go there, you'll get it quick. And it's not always correct. Yeah. You know, you have to make that choice in your mind. Is this really correct? But um you can go back to the original artist and try and find some live stuff I've done that too, yeah. you know. But uh yeah, back in the day there was no internet. It was garage band central
0: yeah 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 i mean uh i've done a a little bit of that though as far as like sitting around other people more recently like when i started going to jam nights and things like that or having some of my buddies come over and it's like you just put a backing track on and take turn playing licks to it and then you're just like oh that was neat do that again you know and uh you know just stuff like that but as far as I, I'm trying to find a nice analogy for people that don't understand um, what what it's kind of like. Because I feel like, it's like you said, if you're looking for something special, you can find it in a heartbeat. But if you're just plugging in those something specials over and over and over again, it, you're not really yeah. uh, using your own brain power to manipulate it in any fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's kind of like bringing food to a buffet. If if, if, if you got to make all the food and then all of a sudden you're like, I didn't make you know, chicken and you go get KFC chicken, someone might notice, you know, but if, <laughs> but if, but if you just put some biscuits in there, someone's like, whatever, you know, no one's going to notice that. I don't know, but that'd be probably my analogy for that, I guess. Well, I think most of us are are
4: mostly self-taught, are we not? I yeah. I mean, yeah. It, so who's had lessons of any kind? No? Well, Ooh. there you go. I'm, <laughs> I have. I I'm, Originally, I'm a drummer, and... Um, so, I took drum lessons, but you know, that's once a week. You're going to practice out of your book and you're going to learn your beats. But once you've got those down, then you're going to experiment. And I was always experimenting. But I also, back to my headphones, you know, I'd put those Panasonic headphones on. I have them plugged into the stereo with the eight track player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's my age anyway, or a record or whatever and uh, I bought a little Radio Shack mixer and I had a couple microphones and I put them over the top of the drum set so that I could hear myself and then I would jam with records and that's that's how I learned how to play a lot of the stuff that I do. But then I hooked up a a microphone for my vocal and I I was always singing harmony. My dad was a super strong harmony singer and I never realized that I, I, it didn't occur to me that I was learning from him, listening to him sing, you know. But apparently so 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 i would practice singing harmony parts until they sounded right and i always wanted my vocal to sound exactly like their vocal if i could make it so that it would blend i mean i knew at times i wasn't going to be able to but if i could make it blend really smoothly um, i would i would hone in on that um, but the guitar thing i'm like like you guys i'm self-taught but my reason for learning guitar wasn't to actually go and gig. Uh, it was actually to write songs. And then one, le- one thing led to another. And I, I really didn't focus hard on guitar. I probably have focused a lot harder on it over probably these last few years um, because now I'm, I'm comfortable enough playing it, now I can actually pay attention to it. Whereas before, when I started off, it was so uncomfortable and I my self-confidence was really not there it took forever I mean it was it's such a not a natural instrument for me I'm definitely I probably more of a drummer but still I, I mean I love it I think I, th- I think it's a fascinating instrument I I love how you can sit down and figure out your harmony parts for vocals or that you can sing with it you know yep um, and
0: blend with it. Yeah, I think that's probably the one thing the drums have that's like the downfall is they don't really have like a whole lot of harmony capabilities as far unless you start really adding a bunch of toms and tuning them to those fashions. But like, you know, with a guitar, you can plunk stuff out and be like, well, if this is the chord I'm playing, I can play this note. Eh, you know, you start singing along with the different notes and before you know it, you can make a whole song using just one instrument.
4: Well, even all the all the effects that you can have for a guitar, I mean... You know, acoustic guitars, it, it, you don't really have a ton of effects for that. You're going to use chorus, delay, reverb, predominantly. Um, um, but for electric guitar, I mean, you look at all the different pedals that electric guitar players have had over the years. I mean, of course, you've got your overdrive and distortion, but, um, you know, uh, and kind of the standard effects. But now you've got, like, these keyboard pedals, like like Bruce has mm-hmm. got that B9 pedal, yeah. Oh yeah, which is really cool.
0: Um, Almost and, turns the guitar into a synthesizer. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of wild.
4: And then back in the you know late '90s, uh, early 2000s, Digitech had their Whammy pedal. Yeah, oh you know. that's a fun yep. one. That's a fun yep. one. And that that made for some interesting things. Um, and then uh, you know some 12 string effects and that kind of thing. So you got tons of effects. A lot of keyboard effects now. I mean they have not just organs but uh keyboards pianos etc etc mm-hmm. but 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 dr- and even for bass there are f- there are effects for bass mm-hmm. uh, but for drums you you really have to f- you got to you either buy an electronic kit which I'm just really not down with and I don't think Scott is either but um y- you know you you went out and you bought more drums or the cymbals that you liked or cowbells or, or what have you and then Expanded your sound that way by taking up lots of stage space, which, you know, I was as guilty of that as anybody. Yeah, so. I was going to say, I saw a picture of your yeah. drum set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The only
2: thing missing was the gong. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and
4: I, I wanted one, you know. But, I mean, uh, you know, drums are so cool because, I mean, a, a simple snare drum, a snare drum, you can get so many different sounds That's out true. of a snare drum. Just by the way you hold your stick and, and stuff, and... Uh, there's so much variance in kick drum sounds and tom sounds. It's just, it's just really cool. So, um, as a as a guitar player now, you know, I, I don't care if Scott brings you know all all 45 of his drum kits to our shows. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that,
1: Sixteen. Sixteen. Actual number. Right. So
3: and he's, he's kind got his hand. eye on number 17.
0: So <laughs> we've gone through most of the people in the band. Uh, Chris started out as a uh, drummer, now plays guitar.
5: Brad has some other projects he has to tell you about. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, mo- most recently, and this thing, we're just trying to get it off the ground. I'm, I'm working with some guys in Des Moines. Uh, actually south of Des Moines in the New Virginia area.
0: All right.
5: Um, trying to get a, a, a grunge band together. Oh, oh wow. cool. So, yeah, and that's been, uh, you know, I, I try, I don't know. I, I listen to all types of music, and, and I try to play a, a, a variance. There for a while I was, uh, you know, with the Chris Carr band and also playing uh, rapcore. Okay. Which, uh, you know, it's like Rage Against the Machine kind mm-hmm. of stuff. and. uh you know, just the two completely different uh, genres. Yep. But, you know, y- you can glean a little bit off of each one of them and, and incorporate them. And, and I just, I think, you know, uh, advice to any other uh, uh, musicians out there just listen to everything and try to play everything and take take the parts you like and uh, quit, sp- quit poking me, Scott. <laughs> 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 take the parts you like and. You know, spit out the ones you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, XL and DBD. If you ever uh, get a chance, it's a fun band to listen to. He's got some uh, great stuff. All right. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, this is my primary band, I will say, and I uh, really enjoy being able to play with the, the the level of talent of these guys. So.
0: Yeah, I will have to say like along those lines, playing different styles definitely does up your game quite a bit. Um, you know, I started. Playing just a bunch of open chord stuff as everyone does when they first start playing, but then it was punk music And then after that, I kind of started playing some metal music and, you know, uh, I, I joined the band Three Finger Betty And after that, I joined the band Unity, which is, you know, a lot more metalier. But But I, I started realizing, like, man, my chops are getting a lot better, not just playing power chords all the yeah, time, you know, yeah. and then you start to realize, well, maybe I can add a couple things that I'm using over here in this other band that, right, right. that a whole different audience will get to see, and it just adds a little bit more depth to this. Yeah, know. absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I think I learned from playing um, different types of music was. Um, I mean, this this is nothing against anybody that plays down-tuned guitars, because I do play in a band that has downtuned guitars, but I started playing metal music, and I started looking at some people that would play, like, six-string music and make it sound heavier, and I was like, how do you do that without down-tuning everything, and there's different t- tricks and tips you can use that some p- other people have, so I, you know, started incorporating that in the punk band, and people are just like, no, oh, you're kind of heavy-sounding, and it's like, well, it's all, you know, standard tuning, so... But that kind of, I like being able to trick people's ears with that or, you know, throwing yeah, something yep. else in there. Um, even as far as, like, you know, Three Finger Betty, we've got, like, one song that's all, like, mostly just clean. Like you said, there's lots of chorus and, and reverb and delay mm-hmm. into everybody's guitars, and it's it's really, really kind of a slower song. But you have to pull something else out. You can't just throw distorted power chords in there and expect right, it to sound right. good. So Well,
3: it's similar to uh, watching a movie or a play if you just keep everybody on edge the whole time and just keep all this tension everybody's like you can feel their shoulders you know just you can watch a room of people just like if you don't change the tune to something that's a little more relaxed or something different it doesn't let the audience breathe Mm -hmm. because they're sitting there the whole time on edge and even in like a horror film or whatever, there's that moment where that that moment is over and everybody goes,
0: <sighs> yeah, yeah, They
3: get you know, and then they can relax, and then you you know maybe you know start that flow again, and you build people up, and then you know it's like okay, everybody's getting that tension again, and that's what we try to do with our within our gigs. You know, we look at the set list and like, I mean, we have pages of tunes that we can pull off, and. You know, it's like, okay, let's throw this in and back this off a little bit. Or you'll watch the room and they're calling for more of the, you know, they want the heavier, you know, to press that. And it's like, I mean, we played a gig last year to where this, I mean, we were just following the set list and it was in a smaller area, smaller group of people. Say, so, okay, well, we'll do this and finally, this guy he comes up and he goes like, man, I want to dance. And man, you need to get up there and, and wind stuff up. And his buddies were just like, When are you going to dance? When are you going to dance? Well, then this guy gets out there and he's the only guy out on the dance floor tearing it up. But you know, we were just okay, this is what you want, this is what we'll do. Yeah, and so you play that room, but you know, you have to do that with the music is change the flow and the you know, and the, it, it, you know, you have really happy music, you have okay, well, this is a more mellow tune, or this is you know. You know, but it, but are you ready keep, to
4: react to yeah the crowd. to the crowd
3: yeah you know you play the crowd and, mm-hmm. and what they want and what they like and you, you you'll find that out probably within like the first half hour you know 40 minutes of a gig it's like okay we need to go this direction with it yeah and stuff but it releases that pressure or it it builds that up to if that's what they want so yeah. so that's why you know your your selection of tunes always be ready to you know if you follow a list and that list isn't working throw the list away and go somewhere else do yeah. the next best thing you know. i
0: mean i remember talking to you once scott about this how like you can have a show and if everybody's really into it and you're, you're playing a bunch of rocking tunes you're just like well nobody wants to take this break so we're not going to take a break now we're just going to keep playing until we feel a the time there is to take a break and sometimes there's no time to take a break and you end up going three, four hours straight playing music, yeah. you know. I think
1: our, as a Chris Carr band, our record is five and a half hours. Five hours. Five, yeah. five. Yeah. yeah, five and Jeez. a half Played a show on the rustics for a benefit for uh Yeah, and uh, then the they hired preschool. us again to play again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Man, that's, that's a pretty good deal when, we got. You we'll know, know. Yeah.
1: When we got to take a leak, we'll, you know, Brad or I will just sneak out for a song, and Chris will do an acoustic or something like
4: that. But, oh, that makes sense. But it's just
1: one tune, and then we're
4: right back on it again for... Yeah, that's, that's why... You, you know, we'll write the list out, but you, we have a thing to be ready to go off list yep. for something like that. As like we we did one show where we wrote that we wrote that in so that people could take a break. You know, hit the can. But uh, uh, you know, I I I stopped taking breaks when when when, when it was Jeff, uh, Bruce, and myself uh, w- with another pair of uh, a drummer and, and bassist we had decided we were not going to take breaks anymore because it it uh you'd lose the audience yeah they get cold and i you know also realized that they they really don't want to listen to music for four hours you know the old way of doing things was that you played 45 minutes and then you took a 15 minute break but i was in one band where the the leader just kept taking longer and longer breaks i mean we had a half hour break and we're losing the audience, you know, and I just, I couldn't deal with that anymore. So I said, let's not do that. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll play all the way through. And so that started, so a lot of our shows are two to three hours long. And, and you know, by the time you get done with three hours, everybody's really ready to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, even a two-hour show if it's really intense, but uh, we've been, been lucky. I'd say that
2: most of ours are over two
4: well, we like mm-hmm. to, that's just it. We like to play You know, yeah. typically somebody will book us for a two hour show. The only time we've played for two hours is when they book us for one. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, though. we, I mean, we get going and, and we're like, do you, do you want to play another song? Yeah, I want to play another song. So we'll just. We'll yeah, we go say
3: goodnight, we're done more than any band I know. Yeah. <laughs> multiple,
4: multiple times. <laughs> but they, you know. The, our audience, our audiences are really appreciative. Uh, they're very kind to us, and um, you know when we're when we're doing it, I want we want them to feel like it's it's like a festival or, or that kind of thing. Like it's a special event, you know. And I, I think I think having wineries come into play and breweries has really changed that dynamic. It's actually helped the entertainment field in that regard because many shows now where we were just local bands have now become more or less kind of events, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of us, which is really nice because you feel, feel great at the end of the show. I mean, I, yep. our first shows, you know, uh, out at uh, Soldier Creek winery were just, just wonderful. Yep. I mean, they still are. Uh, we just have a great time out there. It's really comfortable and it's just nice to see familiar faces, but, uh,
3: well, in your interview with Byron, he actually said that as to where, I mean, if we get booked in a club or a club contacts us, would you be interested in playing? There's those clubs like, yeah, what, what are the dates You know, or what are you thinking of? And then there's other clubs and this, I haven't had that with this band, but in like prior bands, this, a club would call and it's just like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't want to be the hired help.
0: Yeah. Well I don't you know They don't want any background noise.
3: You know, or they'll they'll call you up and you'll go there and it's just and you're just you know, you're treated like crap. And it's like why go do that for you know, if I'm gonna go somewhere and get treated this way, it's gonna be this much.
1: Yeah. When you go to when you show up at a job at a bar and you have to move the pool table and put the chairs and tables away just so you can have a place to set up, yeah. They weren't prepared Mm -hmm. for you.
0: Well, Uh I mean let me just put it this way. like I've, I've played places that are like that, and sometimes you just roll with the punches. But other times, like you said, you just feel like the hired help. It's almost like uh, you do all this work just to put a show on in a place, and then sometimes you even pay these people money. It's like, I'll give you it's like 40 bucks if you want to play here on a Saturday. I'm like, fine, I don't care, I'll do that. you know. And then it's like you get the cut from the door, and it's it's barely enough to make it worth the 40 bucks you gave them. They're like, you need to bring more people in here. And it's like, man, I'm, I paid you money just to be here, and now you're telling me that... But, you know, I get the picture. Like, it is it is tough to, you know, different places run different business models, and that's always been uh, one of the most difficult thing to traverse being uh, an artist in any capacity is, is making that deal and realizing, because um, it's not just about playing to your audience. You also got to kind of play to the places that will kind of get you, you know.
1: And and there's a third thing to that, too. We recently did a, a Christmas party where one of our members, Jeff Came up sick, he couldn't attend, mm-hmm. so it turned out to just be a four-piece job, and it was still the Chris Carr band, but we were three songs into the job, and Chris's voice went to crap.
4: Yeah, we had, well Jeff and I had ended up with pneumonia. Yeah. He ended up in ER with pneumonia and, and influenza. So
1: not only are you trying to play to what the crowd wants you to to, to be, you know, want to hear sometimes, or you want to play to the venue sometimes, but we played to what we could do that that time. And yeah, Bruce and I kept true. swapping songs all yeah. night, mm-hmm. and Bruce and I. I mean, it was. A, I thought it was the coolest thing because it was Chris Carr band doing, not Chris Carr band songs. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, right. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool way to look at it too. Like playing to whatever your current capabilities are given right. the situation, you know.
1: And so we filled to a full. I mean, hour and a half to two hours of songs that, yeah, we'd done a couple of them before. But,
4: well, and you know what really helps, and I'm gonna toot these guys' horns, uh, for them. You've got. You've got some really fine singers here. <laughs> These guys are all very good singers, you know, and, and you know lots of tunes and you all play in different bands and, and have over the years. So you've, you've got all that background like I do. So, you, like when we're, it's just like when we go to sing something, we don't really have to think about it because we've, we've sang so many different songs. All we just need to know is the words. We know where we're going vocally with it so we can just jump into each other's songs no matter if we've played it together before or not and pull off harmonies we can just look at each other well you you take the you take the third i'll take the fifth mm. and um um plead the fifth for scott anyway <laughs> 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 okay to go
3: back to your pool table moving that i had a buddy one time who wouldn't do that <laughs> They moved the pool table for me eventually because he started setting his kid up on the pool table. Oh, <laughs> oh <nice. laughs> He
2: did that. He did that. He's yeah, he asked for on, a guy got a
3: lime And they <laughs> said no. And he goes, okay. And he sets his kid up. What are you doing? This is where I need to sit. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, that's a way to get him to move <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> I mean, but, you know, that's... That's also one of the things I, I felt like I wanted to ask you is How hard was it t- for you to get gigs when you started compared to how hard is it now? You know, um, Is it now one of those things where somebody knocks on the door and says, hey, do you want to play this? It's, and and it, back then, did you have to bug somebody to play something? Because well, I've always it's, been kind of curious It's about still that. hard to get gigs at times because,
4: well, um, there's so many more solo songwriter or solo gigs out there, so much more of that now than there is actually of band gigs. In fact, I was just talking to a friend the other day. A casino that his band used to play at shut all the bands down. They don't like drums. Mm. How could you not like drums? Come on. So they decided to go with acoustic solo and duo music. And I'm like, nobody's going to want it. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. I know that I wouldn't want to sit there in that smoky environment and then you know, listen to the bells ring constantly because that—that's not really happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that—that that goes back to the the what is so great about wineries and breweries is those are events. You're not background noise like you are in a bar. Um, typical bar kind of gig is not like that in many cases. I, I don't want to say that. It's not starting to lean more that way, but it's not quite the same thing as as the brewery
0: winery gigs. Yeah, I mean, I can feel that, though, because, like... You run into a situation, I've been to shows here in town where it's like, well, we've got this place set up for music and stuff, like you said, it's mostly solo acoustic or like acoustic with a bass, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not the fact that they don't like drums, but some of it is just the space isn't conducive to a full band, so some places... Sometimes, that's, yeah. That's just what they choose to have. And
4: and at times we're faced with that, so we've had, uh, you know, we, we had to do a couple gigs here this, this last year where we had to break it down to more of a... Confine the sound. You know, we had to blanket Scott's kit. Um, you know, uh, just really drop the volume any way that we can because now you know we're we we switched to on ear, you know in ear monitors, and then have eliminated physical amps on stage, which is it's great um, for the audience because it eliminates that uh, force of, of sound killing them mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially at some gigs. It also uh, tightens us up better, but we're not willing to give up live drums. It's just no. I'm, I'm not. No. There's just. Uh, and I still haven't given up my amp. No, really. no, you uh, got it in a uh, box uh, now. But I, but still. Put it in an isolation cabinet. I mean, would right? you have ever seen, you know, back then? Would you ever have ever imagined that we'd be doing that?
2: Now? No. No. <laughs> but it's all for good. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's all for yeah. good. It's it's tightened our. You know, we noticed because we record our gigs. And uh, we'll play them back at a practice sometimes, and we can hear the difference between when we were using wedges, you know, traditional monitors versus in ears, and it's
2: well, you know, the older years get, yeah, the more abuse. I mean, wow. Oh, definitely. Where? I did I spent 13 years playing next to the loudest keyboard player on the planet
4: and Oops. my left ear oh. is shot. What we're saying is wear earplugs. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, that's I mean that's something especially for drummers if you're going to sit down at a drum set practice do any of that stuff um yeah put on, put on ear muffs of some sort because I mean you can't sustain practicing for hours a day you know for years on end your ears are going to get toasted yep. and
2: when I practice at home I play loud I, I just love it mm-hmm. you know but you can only take so much of that
0: yeah Yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. well when I'm in here and I practice or I'm working on a tune like even doesn't matter if it's, if it's an electric guitar or or the drum set I'll put I'll put headphones on yep Uh, because it's just too much now.
2: Yeah, the in-ear monitors, headphones, they really save you. They just Mm -hmm. save you.
4: Well, they also save you. uh, We don't strain as hard vocally. Not like that, but the the new gear that's out, you know, uh, the digital mixers, they really can keep your vocals nice and steady. Um, It just has changed the way everything sounds so much.
5: When,
3: When we were using wedges... I would get mine turned up so loud that it was, you know, and if you're in a tight, confined area, you're interfering with the person standing next to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you're trying to like, well, if you're going to be having yours at this level, I can't hear what I'm doing. So it's like this competition. of. Well, then it
4: bleeds back into your mic, which bleeds into the other guy's mic. you know, know, when I was
2: running sound, my goal was to get them as loud as I could before feedback.
4: Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, (laughs) that's not a good thing.
4: No. You know? But
2: that was my goal: get them loud and clear, and no feedback.
4: Yeah, you know. But it's all it's all changed now, and I, I think it's changed for the better. Um, and it certainly has, uh, you know, being older guys that we are now. Um, I think I added it up, and I think we shed about two thousand pounds of weight out of the trailer just oh, wow. by just by switching. Well, you don't know, you don't have the monitors themselves. You don't have any of the cabling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You don't have the power amps. amps. Yep. Yep. And the rack that carries them. And then in my case, I don't have an amp. And at times, um, Brad doesn't carry an right. amp. Bruce still carries his amp, but it, his amp isn't that big. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's just uh, it's it's a lot of weight. Yeah. That we don't have to deal with. Plus, the w- the way we're doing things now, setup takes not very much time and sound shape sound check takes even less Mm -hmm. it's really just a matter of turn it on we figure out where the where where the low end might be kind of wonky and adjust that
0: and then just really sort of go so you guys have gone almost completely digital except for scott who's still playing a drum set old school yeah thank god yeah yeah wouldn't (laughs) change that thanks scott (laughs) i bought
1: a drum i bought an electronic kit i used to travel for a living and when i'd come home for a few days, I thought that was what I needed to do to practice in the basement. So I bought it, and I think I paid like three hundred twenty bucks for a cheap set. Mm-hmm. And over three, two, three years, whatever it was, I think I put maybe two hours of playing on it. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. It wasn't a drum kit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I ended up selling it for three hundred bucks. I lost twenty dollars over a three-year investment. And- yeah. That's well, not too bad for a loss no, over no. three years.
4: I, I should also just include, we did try to put Scott and his drum set inside a box, but soon realized after about five minutes mm. he couldn't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> air holes, people. Air holes.
5: Sorry. My bad. If you're going to poke air holes, make sure he's not in the box. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, hey, hey. My eye! <laughs> So Scott, you've been relatively quiet uh, for the most of this podcast, and I'm assuming it's because uh, you've you've come on here before. But I'm sure stuff has changed. Um, you've maybe added a a, a drum kit. Maybe um, do you have like do you have like a favorite drum kit? Do you have like one kit you bring most places? That's just like
1: no. I, yeah. I have I have a favorite drum kit. It's one that I had customized built to my specifications back in two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my favorite kit of all, yeah. but... then he never brings out. I, right. About once a year, I'll play it. Makes sense, yeah. But I've, I mean, I've got total, uh, count right now is 16 kits, but I have about 8 to 10 that I use in my rotation that I'll bring. Uh, if I play two jobs in a day, the evening job, i got a different kit than I had earlier today. That's fun. Um, you know? <laughs> and some people might say, well, how do you keep them all? And They all sound, well... Uh, first of all, I, I I analyze or I think about where the the venue is, what the band is, what I'm going to be playing, and it determines what kind of kit I'm going to be using. Yes. Um, I made a I made a bad call this this fall. I I had a, a kit that I bought that I played with Chris down at uh, Sneakers, big 24 inch. I mean, low end. It was awesome. It just I fabulous it. sounding kit. And I took that to a country show that it up in Jackson. And it was absolutely the worst plan I'd ever made. I, sh- I should have rethought that and
4: to, you know, maybe take a fusion kit or something I'm like really that. I'm really glad that you can admit those things now. I mean, because admitting that you have 16 kits <laughs> is really, of part of getting help. Well,
1: I, 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 for 23 years, I played the same single drum kit because that's what I could afford. I couldn't go out and buy another one. Now, 23, you know, 33 years later, whatever it is, I'm... I'm not wealthy by any means, but I can go afford. you know what I make in in money playing music goes right back into my music,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, either that or vacation. And there's a reason the reason I have sixteen drum kits is because I can.
0: yeah. I mean, you also, uh, I mean, you, like you said, it's not like you're a rich man. I bought sixteen no. brand new drum kits. You and I do the same thing when we buy gear. A lot of times we hunt it down. we try to find something that we want. You go negotiate a little bit with the person and you find something that you can like. A lot of it's used gear we find. Yes. Yeah.
4: Or or some of you buy a, mu- a music store. and Yeah. yeah.
5: In yeah. all <laughs> my life I've purchased <laughs> I just want to say new... that that's a
4: bad idea.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a different kind of
5: problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've bought and sold some kits through the years. Intervention. But Intervention. as a brand new Drum kit. I've only purchased two in all my life. Yeah. Um, what I do is I watch Craigslist and Facebook and and I I go I lowball guys.
0: Yeah. If they if
1: they want to sell them for low lowball price, I'm your guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense though, because I bet drums might even have a higher propensity than guitar for resale value. Yeah. There's probably more guitars out there that kids give up on playing, or somebody's like, I want to learn how to shred like Metallica, and they go buy some super cheap thing, and they're yeah. like, now I don't want this. But I bet drums. I bet the numbers higher for drums. I bet there's a lot of people yeah. looking to offload drums. Maybe yeah. even just based on the amount of space uh, they take up.
4: Everybody's criteria for what you want in a drum set is different. Yeah. For me, it, um, hardware is really important. It's got to take lots of abuse. And there's, you know, there's a lot of kits out there that they just don't. Yep. Um, You know, um, and uh, you know probably the most important things on a drum kit are snare drum and a kick uh, how they sound you know uh, the rest is uh, I mean important I don't want to say that it's not but and what I've you never think? well
1: I've never like I said I've never had a drum lesson never had never been taught how to tune my drums other than through the years learning and watching and seeing what other guys are doing and you know catching on to that and you know when I was in a teenager hell it was it was duct tape that's how you tune them duct yeah. tape and felt mm-hmm. you know under yeah. the heads I played with guys that did not tune their drums, yeah. and period. and today they, you know they make the, yeah. the the moon gels and o-rings things yep. like that yep. that yep. help you and that's what i've leaned to is you know try, not technology i guess but the latest thing and it works for
3: me there's a lot better selection of heads out there too yes you can find absolutely you know they that's one thing that's come along that has been developed where people have looked into to where instead of buying these all these little things that you need to put on them to get the tone you want you can actually buy a specific head that'll give you like a real dry sound or real crisp yeah or you can put you know that type of head on a on a snare and you know and just like it just has that crack sound when you hit it you yeah. know and it, it you know and that wasn't available years ago no you know? i
4: mean i i like you have uh, those uh, e-rings that you put on your snare or your toms or whatever and we didn't have those so like <laughs> i remember to get that kind of sound, I wanted this really kind of clicky sound out of my snare. So what I would do is remove the head. I had an old head and I'd cut. I always use double-ply heads and I would cut uh, the underside out from under there of that head. And I would take packaging tape and then tighten it as best I could, but fasten it underneath the new head so that when I struck it, it would that that head that piece of head would slap yeah but it would also deaden the head
0: yeah
4: wow uh but we did stuff like that i mean i i remember umpteen country bands where a guy had kotex's duct tape to his toms to kill to kill the ring you know i've seen that um i used to tricks
3: of the trade yeah i used to
4: take a pair of jeans old pair of jeans and i'd cut cut it right up the seam just the, I'd cut the leg off the pair of pants and then I'd split that open wide open and I'd take that and put it, across, it the across the head kick drum head oh. because back back when I was playing in the 70s, you know, you didn't want bottom heads and you didn't want a front head on your kick. So I'd put that across, and I'd write the band name across my <laughs> pant leg, you know.
0: <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to say, used to yeah. back in the day, you used to cut off your pant legs. Yeah, and, and just go, wear the one. He did that. I know he did. Drew. a True. leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that's something, I guess, not being a drummer, I never really thought too much about was, like, uh, what everyone would want in a drum set. Like you said, hardware is something I hear a lot of drummers talking about where it's like, I can't just be going out there with, um, and I'm not trying to trounce on a brand, but like just some junky Gibraltar stuff that yeah. comes with a, you know, a, a learner's kit, you know, because after a handful of shows of tightening and loosening, it's just going to kind of junk out.
4: Well, as drummers, you watch other drummers and you you see what they use and, and it, it will inspire you. Like like Scott, for instance, he has arguably the coolest drum throne I've ever seen, and that's that, that one that's mm-hmm. the saddle. The tra- is it a tractor saddle or something? It was
1: a mechanic's seat. It's a it's like yeah. a motorcycle seat, Harley, uh, like a Harley seat, mm-hmm. but it's on on a stool, like like a regular throne. Mm-hmm. Um, and that thing is cool. It it needs <laughs> it's
3: it just needs a set of stirrups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's it's cool because it's got all the studs and everything yeah, around wow. it, and it I mean it looks like a saddle, mm-hmm. and it's you know.
0: Like, yep. it works. Some, Yeehaw. <laughs> it's Something that, like, intrigues me, I guess, is the fact that you're talking about going uh, completely digital, for the most part, with your band. Uh, you still have an amp, Bruce, that you use. Do you still run it into a speaker of any sort? or you? Yeah, I keep the
2: uh, the speaker in an isolation cabinet, mm-hmm. so I can get as loud as I want and get the breakup I want out of the amp, but it's quiet on stage. All right. Yeah.
0: The, is that just preference? You don't really want to give it up quite yeah, yet. Yeah, um, or... Chris has got
2: a, a new um, uh, kind of a preamp digital system for his guitar that uh, sounds really good, uh, straight into the PA. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't spent the money there.
4: It's um, it's tough, you know. I yeah. I I'll be honest with you. Most all of those, you know, the Kempers and yeah, Line Sixes. They they're great and everything, but it it really isn't like playing through. A full amp I, I do miss mm. that part but in this particular band my my guitar parts are secondary or are, are, are primary to keeping rhythm and, and and having Bruce go over the top of that mm-hmm. and so it's not it's not as important for me to have like um, to have that connection with my amp to create sustain on yeah. A particular note. yeah
2: that's what you miss um, I Talk about uh, the internet. I've been watching, uh, looking up stuff with the, the bands that uh, they call them rig Downs for. Yep. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I uh, yep. yeah. I love those. Premier guitar. Yep. I love them. And uh, been checking out these guys that have gone in your monitors and no amps on stage, and they're getting the Fernandez sustainers so they can have some feedback and yeah. and it's like wow you know. You just want to be able to have that interaction with the speaker, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. where it's ringing nicely, you know, yeah. and, and uh, so that's what you miss and the kind of things <laughs> that you try to work around and, and, um, and uh, yeah, st- still working on it.
4: It's a work in progress. The, the only real, the, the real advantage of like the system that I'm on is that because I play acoustic and electric. I have one cable. Yeah. So I can just grab a, a guitar, put it in, switch to that patch. Yep. And I, Because it's, you really don't play acoustic guitar through a regular guitar amp. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work out well. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the one thing that's really nice and I just have that consistency when we go in to do sound check we don't have to fight with anything. The only thing that we're really uh, checking thoroughly is the drum kit. Because that's got the most mics on it. Yeah, it's the most acoustically... Yeah, diverse. Yeah. And and so we might have a tom that's that's uh, ringing on a note that is resonant with the room, so we'll have to either change the pitch of the tom or gate it more. And, uh, and then we just set it that way and we go. Uh, but, you know, prior to digital consoles, I mean, that would have taken a long time to deal with. Mm-hmm. And now it's you know, you grab that tablet yeah,
0: and call up the curve you want. But like, as far as a base for you, Brad, was it something difficult for you to be like, all right, I guess I'll use this uh, or not because, you know, I mean, base seemed to lend itself a little bit better to it. There was a lot of people that have those, uh, you know, Inputs that were just pedals, where it's like I can just plug my bass into this. It gives it all the breakup. Here's all the EQs, and then out to the mains I go. Right,
5: right. And, and you know, I the, the only thing I miss uh, when I when I don't have an amp is the, the rumble under my feet. Oh you yeah, yep. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll I'll bring an amp, but it'll, it'll be just quiet enough. And if I stay in the right spot, you know, I, I can still feel it. Uh, I I think Scott kind of likes it too, if he yeah. can feel it a little bit, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. But but, but, it, you. but it's
5: not necessary anymore. You know, yeah. it's, it's just kind of a, it's a preference. Yeah. Um, you can get, uh, you know, my amp really didn't, it had a certain tone to it that I liked. And the speaker cab I, I like to use has a nice, it's a Aguilar 12 inch, uh, ca- it has a nice tight focus, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just going direct through a box or sometimes I'll bring a, sometimes I have a pedal board, sometimes I I have a digital modeling deal mm-hmm. so uh yeah yeah it's uh i'm still trying to find the sweet find spot the sweet thing that's yep. the, the thing you know mm-hmm. but it's uh uh i really don't miss the amp when i don't hmm. don't uh, have it it's so an kind excuse of,
3: uh, to look for new gear right. it is yeah, yeah it, is. It, is. <laughs> it is i'm looking for that thing or the thing i, I don't the know what the thing is but i'm looking for
4: it you know we were doing this we were doing this gig over in cherokee and and uh in relation to not feeling the rumble under your feet. So my wife tells me that something's not quite right out front. So these guys are jamming a tune. So I go off stage to go listen. I pull my ear, my ears out and figure out what it is and correct it. And I go hop back up on stage, you know. And we're up on, on two flatbed trailers and uh, the speakers are down on the ground and stuff. And so that's where all the low end is. And none of that is making it back up to the stage. you know. And I step back up on stage, and the only thing that's making noise is the drum set. And you guys are all singing away, and, and I can't hear anything. So I put my ears back, <laughs> back in it, and I'm like, wow! There right, we go! go. There it yeah, <laughs> It was
5: pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. So it's,
3: they, a, it's an odd thing with the first time you experience <coughs> that. If you're watching a band play and there's no...
0: Yeah, because there's if no you were wedge coming us, back. Everything's
3: yeah. out front. Because you get behind that and all you hear is some guy pounding on drums. Yeah. Yes. And there's nothing there. And it's uh, the first time I noticed that was that you're just standing there going like where is everything? know, yep. And it's all
4: it's all out front. In their ears, Between you know, so it's like ears. you watch that
3: for about five minutes, like, well this sucks and you go back out front. <laughs> yeah. because, because it's like you're not hearing, you know. You kinda hear it because it's it's out, it's there, out there but there, it's not yeah. but the only Real instrument you're hearing are those drums. Yeah, it's up there, and that's, you know, and that's, and you lose it. I was, we've brought up the electronic kit, uh, you know, a couple of times, and the one thing you miss with that, there's nothing. lack more of a lackluster feeling when you're playing one of those, and you go to like when you have the headphones on and you hit the cymbal pad.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: When you don't have that on and you hit that chunk of rubber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like there's no give, there's no feel, there's that's not, yeah. and that's what a, a real kit it's provides. Like the top it's like hit your guitar amp
4: with a stick. I would yeah, think the it's,
2: expression it's, like on the snare, you know, so much expression uh, with the, what you're doing to it, and if if it's electronic, you have one sound. Yeah,
4: you know, yeah, it's it's you can't like,
2: rim shot, you can't. Well,
4: I went, you know, I, went, I went, I got, I got a chance to go see the Moody Blues. A, a friend of mine had had an extra ticket, so he took me down there to Des Moines, and we went and watched them. Fantastic show, but was that recently or like five uh, years ago? Yeah, about five years ago. Oh, I went and saw that. Did you? Yeah. Okay, and, and I saw and, I
0: saw it in Canada though.
4: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that guy comes out on stage, you know, the the original drummer, and he was I think he was in his eighties, and uh, and then they have another drummer, but he's on a Roland electronic kit that has the the pretend bass drum, <laughs> but you know, I'm watching that guy play, and he's working his butt off. He's still doing everything that a normal drummer does. But that kit just was so boring. Mm. And I just remember going, wow. Yeah. I'm going to watch the guy that's 80 on the real kit. Because yeah. uh, that's a heck of a lot more and more interesting. you know." Um, so I, I just can't, I cannot get into the... I, and the other thing, too, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't care for their sound. It's, it's like uh, it's too hyped, too pumped up compared to a real kit it's just a just a totally different thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can electronic drum kits have come a long ways compared to 20 years ago, compared oh, yeah. to 30 years. Ago. I mean, compared to 10 years ago even they've come a long ways. And there's they've started making drum kits that have a little bit more variance when you hit the pads different ways. But like you said, your feel in your hand is doesn't it doesn't translate to your body very well. Like you, like yeah. you said he hit the cymbal and it's just plonk, you know, there's nothing to it. It's it's uh, it's kind of tough, but I mean that's probably the one instrument I feel like as far as going digital is the farthest behind and probably justifiably so, because like you said, it's the most acoustic. There's not really any effects you can stack on right. it to mask the natural sound of it. I don't want
4: to say that someday they won't, you know, figure it out, but but I think I think uh, just the variance in, like we were talking about a snare drum is so great. How do you how do you write all of those parameters mm. in for touch sensitive touch sensitivity because it's not just about it's not just about touch but it's what, how like you've got two things going on there the rim three things the stick because uh, you know depending on the weight of the stick what you're using five B seven A that makes a difference in how the whole thing sounds head yeah
2: yeah the wood it's, block you, know. you bounce the stick or you don't you know
3: yep. yeah. it's, it's, you lose there's those a tricks. Lot going on there. like yeah. if you're doing a wood block that click on the edge of a snare and that snare, all has
4: to do with the, the stick yeah, and, and how that, the snare is tuned
3: and you don't you, when it's rubber you can't get that No. That, that, that click sound
0: yeah and like I think this is probably the stuff that maybe like non-musicians uh, don't ever think about they don't ever have to really but like this is the kind of stuff that you have to think about before going to shows like you said uh, what drum kit am I even going to bring here? Do I bring the giant drum kit that's just going to blow out the tiny room that doesn't even fit the music I'm playing? Or, like, sometimes it's a crapshoot. <laughs> sometimes yep. you've never been to a location before, so you're just guessing. You and know? that's mm. that's not always true, that bigger is louder or
1: whatever, because I got that little bop kit that, that 16-inch yeah. bottom is amazing. It's mean, really
4: long, though.
1: It, it's, uh... It's
4: that's a great it, sounding It, it kicks
1: kick. ass. It yeah. Yeah. It I can play a big room with that thing and not be afraid at all. That's awesome.
3: Played in a band one time a guy bought a John Bonham kit. Okay. And I mean it had like a twenty-six inch, mm-hmm. twenty-eight inch deep, and he had this symbol. It was for his ride symbols like this 30 inch <laughs> garbage. You know, and we played this room that was probably Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It was I mean if you stood if I stood up straight. My head touched the ceiling, and there was soundproofing up there, and it was the guy had put egg cartons up there, <laughs> you, know? Was, you know, to help with the sound. And here, and the drummer was on this riser, and he couldn't stand up straight okay. because the riser was too close to the ceiling. But you couldn't move from in front of your mics because this kit was just so massively big. <laughs> and he's back there pounding it. The minute you stepped away from in front of your mic, it created feedback. And so it was like, mm-hmm. so was, you've got to bring the right kit to the right room, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then. And in his defense, he didn't know that this was going to be the room that because he just bought this kit and you really wanted to play it. Yeah. And you can't blame anybody for that. No, mm-hmm. you know, I have this gear and I want to play this, and we go into this room that's like the size of a phone booth, and there's five of us in there, you know, and you're shoulder to shoulder, and yeah. you know, and it's, and you know, it, but it, it was like, you know, and he admitted like he goes, man, and he goes, what, you know, what a disaster to bring this kit to this room, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was going to be that way. so.
4: Like that time that Bruce brought all those Saldano full stacks. like what, was like 10 of them, and we couldn't yeah. fit them in the back of the Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> I just love those things, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's... We had to fire up the Pacer. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he had that big trunk.
5: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. That goes back to what I said earlier. I, I got that, not a new kit, but a used kit, but it's new to me. Mm. played mm. it with Chris up here, and two weeks later took it to Minnesota, with a, in a big auditorium and it was just the wrong thing to have. Mm-hmm. For the type of music we were playing, um, it, it just didn't... Um, it, I would have been much much wiser had I thought about it and taken something different. Yeah.
0: And I mean, as as we're all saying this, this is not to s- discourage people from even going out and bringing their only piece of gear out. Yep. some people can only yeah. af, you know, afford one right. guitar amp. Well, That's like, right. Guess what? That amp is good enough to go play yep. live. Well, mm-hmm. whether not, That's right. Whether or not you think it is, whether or not... I mean, like as much as we're talking about, you have to turn
2: it to the wall, put cover it up with a blanket. Seen Mm -hmm. plenty of that over the years, and great bands doing it too. I mean,
0: great bands. Yeah, I mean,
2: you just play the room. You do what you can to make it right. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, if you only got one drum set, bring it. You know, it's good enough. I did it for twenty-three years. Yeah, and and it sure worked out just fine. you know,
3: and if you're on the road playing, you can't carry all that gear with you. Yeah, it's you know, if, if you've got a semi and a and a group of roadies and you know they can they can do that but if you're in a in a touring band you it's mean, like, like okay Michael i'm Jackson. bringing this kit yeah and, you know
4: <clears> three <throat> three three semis three, three semi lords of honorage that dancers. was just yeah. for the wardrobe <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> you know, true.
3: that's actually true you know, yeah. and it's like yeah you're sitting there so okay you have they can afford to bring all that gear but you know ninety nine point. <laughs> nine percent of the guys that are out there on the road i'm taking this kit with me these symbols mm-hmm. you know and i'll adjust and, this kit yeah, and to hope
1: the, i don't need a spare
3: yeah you and know and, and you know and then you always bring it two snares yeah. always bring two snares because you'll be no. in the middle of a gig oh gosh and I man, i was playing one night and we were like three three tunes from the end of the the set and all of a sudden i've got no kick mm-hmm. you know and i've shoved the, you know.
1: I did that at the, practice last fall up at the yeah, shop. Yeah, you Pulled know, just, right through the. Yeah, through you the just you run head. it through
3: there and you've got no, you're yep, sitting I'm there, you're not doing that, nothing that. and everybody's yeah. looking at you, what's going on? And it's like, man, we got three tunes, you know, it's like, and you're running out to the vehicle and grabbing a roll of duct tape.
5: Yeah.
3: You know, get you know because you don't have time to change a head. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you know, but if you've got that extra snare sitting down there, you can, if you pop through there, you pull that out and you put another one on and yeah. You know, it'll get you through, but, you know, but you can't bring 10, ten kits. Yeah.
4: You know? uh, and you're always going to, you know, you run when you're, when you're doing this, sometimes you forget stuff. I every, every drummer I know has forgotten a throne or cymbals or sticks.
1: You
0: know, yeah. Sticks. You know, yeah. something. I mean, you know, and that just happens though, too. It's like you said, on the fly, you you break a snare head or something. You gotta bring another snare with you. It's, that's stuff that sometimes you don't think about until it happens, and other times there's, you know, you, you have that planned obsolescence. But other times it's, uh, you know, you can plan as well. It, you're planning for a mistake that's going to happen. But it's it's one of those deals where I, I feel like um, like breaking a guitar <laughs> string might be another one, but. It, I mean, that was a
3: four-syllable word, man. They don't do that to I'm us. Here. Obsolescence. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here going, um,
4: four, "I'm gonna have to look that word up." <laughs> you know, what's bad is when you're doing a solo gig and you forget your guitar. That, that, that's a real, real bummer. That, that happened to me. <laughs> that, unfortunately, I was in Badger when that happened. I called my wife up and said, "Hey, are you here? Are you are you on your way? Yeah, go back to town and get my guitar."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was playing in the street <laughs> band down in, in Des Moines at Super Toad, and it was a Thursday night, and it was just terrible. You know, 20 people in a huge club, right? Right. Well, um, um, 38 Special was playing on the weekend. They show up during our gig. Well, I had, had forgotten my extra power supply, my pedal board which was a rack system at the time Mm -hmm. my power supply went out and I'm straight into the PA no overdrive no effects no (sighs) nothing and here 38 specialists in front of us at a table I'm like this is this is the worst night of my life (laughs) but you know it's one of those things you do what you have to do to get through a gig yep And uh, at least I got to shake their hands. That was pretty cool. But boy, how embarrassing for them to watch you when there's only 10 other people in the bar besides them.
4: That's the worst. Like when you have that kind of pedal or situation
0: for your guitar, like your amp dies, Yeah. you're you're without.
4: Oh, it's horrible.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, that happened to me. That was the first time it ever happened was I was playing a a metal festival like just outside of Chicago not too long ago with Unity. And uh, it's were two songs before the end. The whole time I use one tone. It's just an overdrive pedal into an amp. But I got one song where I use a little flange type deal, you know. And it's it's not 100% necessary, but it's one of those things where it's like this kind of is featured in the studio version of the song. It might be necessary while we're playing it live, you know. And I had a little had a little bit of a an issue with my pedal board. Couldn't figure out where the issue was at, and. Um, yeah, cool. I couldn't figure out where the issue was at with my guitar <laughs> pedal board, and, and either way I had to go straight in the front of the amp and it was just one of those deals where it doesn't sound as good as it could and it was uh, also something yeah, it's, where
2: it's kind of a big letdown when you wanna give it your best and you just
0: can't. Yeah. I mean it's it's kinda of rough. Um, looks like Brad's out of here for a little bit. Um Scott, yeah, let's talk it, about Brad. Yeah, let's get <laughs> out. Here we go. Oh, the dirt comes out. I mean, I mean we yes. did
1: a show. We did a show in Cherokee. Never mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, 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 oh.
1: You're yeah.
0: welcome, Brad. I <laughs> won't
1: tell. Wow. Oh, oh.
0: uh, no, but like, uh, I mean, as far as the people who've uh, been the most quiet, it's been you and Brad for the most part, Scott. And uh, I mean. That's I think that's like kind of Brad's nature. He likes to not do most of the talking as far as stuff like that, but
1: I'm I usually like to, you know, stay quiet and be in the corner until it's time to talk and then you can't shut me up. <laughs>
0: that's why I've had you on two podcasts. Well, an and that's per- why I've been quiet today yeah. because you've
1: heard my story before. Yeah, I mean, uh, not once but
0: twice, you don't need to hear again. <laughs> well, this is for anybody that hasn't heard it. Uh, you know, you can hear a little bit of it here if you're more interested. I've got two podcasts with Scott one of them is mostly rock and picnic material, though, mm-hmm. so uh, check them both out. Um, you you know, we've covered about an hour and a half here, about an hour and a half, so yeah. uh, I mean, if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, we can definitely talk about it here, but I feel like we've covered a decent amount as far as letting people get to know you guys uh you guys all seem to get along really well, which is key in a band. That seems to be something that a lot of bands have. I mean, not necessarily issues with, but it's always hard to find that sweet spot of the exact right guys to get along with. Uh, that are everybody's okay with everyone else's abilities and uh, outside of the band preferences. You know, it's always kind of tough to find those people.
1: We were talking about venues earlier. I would I would bring it up if anybody knows anybody at whether it be at Des Moines or Mason City, Waterloo, Okoboji. Hey, we're looking for jobs. Yep. You know, um, and we've got our name out there. We, you know, try to try to, uh, you know, send the the material to get the jobs. But uh, sometimes it takes word of mouth.
0: Yeah, uh, I will have to say, 100% word of mouth does a million times better advertising than any advertising dollar you can spend. It does better than Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It does better than any of that. Um, I can speak for that first hand just uh, based on having this podcast uh, people that talk about it make it worth a while and that's one of the reasons I had you guys on here because like I said you, like, you guys as a band was one of the first bands when I was playing and I was just like I think I'm going to start taking this seriously because these guys are good you know um, I mean, everybody goes through it when you're younger. You're just like, these guys can't play. They're just a bunch of old dudes. And then you're like, these guys kick butt, you know. And then you realize, well, like, these guys have had 20 or 30 years of playing experience ahead of me. So I got to, you know, better get after it now before it's too late. And uh, you I think, guys. I think we've all been through that, though. We've watched a lot of older, oh. older band, you know, guys that were
4: our local heroes. Um, I'm sure you did. And over in Chicago, Absolutely. I didn't see Rapids. I mean, we. I remember being... Just old enough to get into a club, and my whole band, we would go in to watch these other guys that were, you know, probably 25 years older than us because they were that awesome. In fact, uh, this bass player I just talked to somebody about the other day from Iowa City, his name was Dave Green, and he was our bass god. He had played, he had, he, had I think he did two tours with Gladys Knight and the Pips. I mean, he was just awesome. But the band that he was in, they, they were all awesome. We just thoroughly enjoyed we wanted to be like them you
0: know yeah i mean and that's that's just one of those things that like did you ever think growing up that you guys would be here where you're at today i mean uh in a band that is um i mean i'm saying it and you guys aren't but you guys are damn good uh, Thank as you. a band as Thank far you. as like yeah. in the in the area surrounding area you're, you're easily one of the best cover bands uh you play some of my favorite tunes everything from like the 60s through the 80s ish uh this stuff that's mostly classic rocky you play and it's 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 awesome we're you just know. lucky enough that scott hired us yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. let's not tell that story <laughs> <right>. <laughs> you know you say that we're one of the best cover bands but we do a lot of chris's originals and people know them yeah, yeah.
0: people actually sing along to our, to the originals you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, you guys are one of the first bands i will have to say that played older music and then folded in originals and it's you almost can't even tell. It, like, if you're one of those deals where it's like, "Oh, I'm, I i do not know if I've heard the song." Well, that's Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You're like, "Oh, that's pretty damn good." And then you're like, "I don't know if I heard this song." Oh, Chris wrote it. And you're like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Like, I, I would have yeah. never thought that in a million years, you know? Because, I mean, it comes down to each and every one of you guys being able to play that stuff too, as well. It's not just the fact that Chris wrote a song that's so awesome. I mean, Bruce, you had to play a lead part th- to that song, and uh, you have to have a full band there playing all this stuff too in order to pull it off and make it sound that good. And you guys do. Well
4: I think what helps when you're doing original music um, in our case um, I know I, this happened with a band that I was with an original band up in the Twin Cities called Every Wednesday and, and I remember we, were, we did this gig and we were trying to figure out why people liked our, our music and somebody told us it's because your, your tunes feel familiar like we've heard them before hmm. and maybe, maybe that's the case yep. I don't know yeah um and that to me that was kind of a compliment that means that uh that it, it measured up I guess and if uh what struck me in that particular band we were playing a show and uh, I had the song called Mary and and these people had brought their kids and they were all sitting down in front of us and they were all singing along to the song mm-hmm. and that just we were all looking at at each other like, "How does that wow, work? How does that happen? <laughs> that's wild! So, yeah, yeah, uh,
3: that's probably one of the best feelings. Like, we throw a, a ton of our originals in, and you're watching the audience. show, you know, they're doing their thing or whatever they. But then you're playing them, and they don't realize that all of a sudden your tune comes through, and they're singing along with that tune. And when you take see them take notice of that. But it doesn't stop the flow of the show because yeah, right. it's just it's as consistent with what you know. You're doing a cover here. We'll throw like three or four originals in in a row, mm-hmm. and it doesn't break the mood. People are singing along, or they start paying more attention because yeah. it's like, wait, I've that song sounds familiar, but I've not heard that before. Then they'll come up after the show and just like, you played this one too. And I said, well, that's one of ours.
4: Mm-hmm. You yeah. got to be kidding me. Yeah. And it's
3: like, no, it's you know we you know we've well, developed tunes we don't, this tune we don't over announce our
4: tunes either typically with you know um, I, I i at at first when we started doing original material i didn't like the idea of announcing the song because i felt that if you announced your song then you were kind of burdening your listener you were telling them this is my song i need you to judge it yeah and that's not really fair to that person in the audience because they came to watch a show and they just want to enjoy themselves they don't so if you don't announce it then you can you can also tell a lot about your song whether they like it or not that's true uh, that if they're paying attention to it or if they start singing it on that second chorus then you know you did the right thing but uh, that way i'm i don't have to we're not burdening them with the idea that they would have to be the ju- uh, a judge in some song contest. Yeah, you know? I mean,
0: I mean, if if we're all honest with uh, ourselves, we all tend to make snap judgments, and mm-hmm. I feel like that also eliminates the ability for anybody to make a snap judgment about this. Well,
4: then they're not feeling bad if they didn't like the song and ha- and feel like oh. I, th- I thought your song was wonderful Chris yeah
0: totally and I totally, and I totally get money. that man it's it's one of those deals where I mean as far as a songwriter I am not a songwriter I mean I've written songs I don't like them they stay um away from everybody's ears because I'm not good at it so but like that's one of those things where like di- did it take you a while to get over the barrier of like writing a song and being like all right I'm gonna show the public this song or is oh yeah because you
4: like like you're talking, when you're when you first start writing, you don't know what you're doing, and um, um, you know you're you're not confident, and then now you're about to wear uh, the th- something that really matters to you on your sleeve for anybody to slap, yeah. and so it's it's it, it scares you at first. I I remember the first time I played one of my songs in public, it scared the heck out of me, um, and I didn't announce it. Thankfully, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know how it was going to go over. And to be honest with you, I can't remember how it did go over. I just remember getting through it and just I was shaking like like the first time you play on stage, that kind of you're scared or like when you go to when you go to play a gig and you're really intimidated by the audience, like say that you're you have your hero from another yeah. band sitting yeah. in front of you, you know, you're it it bothers you. You, you get nervous and uh um, so, but you start off, you don't know how to write, and then you, you eventually get comfortable with the idea. I'm not gonna sit there and tell anybody that I know how to write. I just, I write because I want to. It, it's in me to do that, um, and I hope
0: that people like it. I hope. Yeah. Well, you know, if it. If it's any consolation to any of you guys, I like I said, you guys have been one of the perennial bands, one of my absolute favorites around the Northern Iowa area. Uh, originals, covers, it doesn't matter. Uh, I've always told people you guys are one of my favorites. It's always fun to watch you guys play live um, in any capacity because, like we talked a little bit about earlier, like if not everybody can make it, sometimes a couple of you guys will just go to a show. Sometimes it's just three of you, you know, and it's you guys end up <laughs> with situations like that occasionally. Sometimes it's based on maybe somebody hires you and says I just want two people here you know and uh, you know or or whatever and you guys figure it all out and you guys uh, go with it I... but, but it's it's all about fun see with us
4: because it, it's <coughs> we
3: still have an initiative you know, we uh,
4: these guys, nobody has to to
3: oh, play her chief <laughs> you know
4: i i want we we just want to have fun and we like you say we do really like each other uh, we respect each other um one of the first gigs that we did, this was, this was before Scott came along, we were just, we're still doing the acoustic thing primarily, so we go to this, we go to this club up north, or this winery up north, and uh, so we get ready to do Seven Bridges Road, which is a part of our regular set, and, and Brad here is the new guy, he's yeah. the new guy, and he's our baritone voice, so he does the low stuff, so I got, for some reason I got it in my head, wouldn't it be funny,
3: when First before, of all, you carried in that big stack of towels and right. playing in an air conditioned room. Now, right. if you're outside, you know, you'll have, you know, for sweat in summertime or whatever. He so brings here, here, you need one of these, here, you need one of these. And I'm going, what the hell do I need a towel for? It's like
5: 68 degrees in here. We should have seen so, this coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. But,
4: but we didn't. So, <laughs> you you go, anyway, you go ahead and tell him. You go ahead, because you've talked the least.
0: <laughs>
5: go ahead. So, anyway, we, we all end up, I don't even know what it was. Was it whipped cream or shaving cream? It was cream? shaving cream. <laughs> So right before the song, I think mm-hmm. it was before the song. Yep, you're the only one with a beard, though. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. But uh, we we all end up wearing shaving cream beards, and and it was just uh, you know nice intimate crowd, and they're just looking at us like, the, what are these, these people doing? <laughs> and, uh, I it was are. priceless. It, it was great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Scott still hasn't. Uh, I say I've uh, been right.
1: initiated. <laughs> I say that I've earned right not to get the initiation now because of what I pulled down at Shiny Top last month. Oh, <laughs> oh the patch, oh, the,
5: the patch. The, <laughs> the one, one eyed got a song, love.
1: Chris has got a song that he likes pulling pull in a crowd called uh, She's <laughs> the One Eye, One I Love. Yeah. About his one-eyed it's a Haywood Bank song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, go I was guys. talking talk to my wife Deb one night and said, you know, we need to we need to trick, you know, buy some pa- eye patches. So, we went out and ordered about 20 or 25 eye patches and distributed them amongst the, the crowd that night. And as soon as he started doing that tune,
4: everybody threw the eye patch on <laughs> so, so, for those you, uh, listeners out there that don't know that song, so the, the opening line is I've got a girl with just one eye, no depth of field, but sweet as pie. <laughs> and uh, you can look the song up, it's Haywood <laughs> Banks. What uh, one I, I love. love. Yeah.
0: Um, actually, I, I've i heard some Haywood Banks material. He used to do stuff on the radio back in the day for, I believe, Bob and Tom. Bob and Tom, sure. yeah, yeah, that's right. that's oh, yeah. yeah, So, yeah, I mean, he's got some Bob, got some classics out there. Toast. Yeah, toast is the one. Yeah. That's the big one. All across the country, all across the coast. <laughs> so I've earned, I think
1: I've earned right not to have the initiative. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that,
4: but I'm... we're up there on stage, and I was like, I, wouldn't it be cool if we just wore shaving cream beards you know on seven bridges road so i pull out I, I walk back and i grab the shaving cream just put a big old gop of it in my hand and then i hand it to brad <laughs> 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 and that was the real test like, and he put it on like a trooper and i was like
0: this is the guy this is, the, okay, buddy, this is our yes. guy well, I mean, like one of the first times I realized you guys are out there um, to play music and just have fun doing it was when you busted out kazoos. Okay. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's something that you still do occasionally, and I, st- it still catches me off guard regardless because it's it's usually the same song you do it, and it's always yeah. just like how I did never, we come up with that? I don't know, and I never see it coming, and it's uh, the it first time I saw have been it. I was like,
3: this is practice. genius. It's beatles it's the beatles come together is what we do but we never it's the traditional you know the 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 base come together you know come together and but then we play it with a reggae beat with a reggae guitar yeah so
4: that's kind of you know
3: and so and it's weird because it works together but instead of the guitar solo we did Three part harmony kazoo's <laughs> and it works. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's an attention getter, and then as soon as the guitar, so you're right back into the tune, and it's just like, you know, and then you get the and the audience really gets into it, and there's you know, and they're singing. Everybody knows that tune, you know. No. Uh, you're. Know, it's like, oh, you screwed up the lyrics, and it's like, come on up and sing them. Mm-hmm. And I did this one night, and it's just like, and so we started playing it again. It's like, well, I don't know the words. And I said it's because they're really messed up you know mm-hmm. oh they <laughs> you are you know it's it's are. like yeah. it's the hardest song to you remember. know it, and uh but then at the end of it you know come together right now we just stop yep and the whole audience is singing in there and you hear the like from 20 people to several hundred people all go over me
4: know yep.
3: at the end of it and when you're done they just love it so it's like okay this is it's, which we
0: love too you know, which yeah, is, you know yeah, so yeah. then just
3: like okay this is the way we do this tune now yeah. Yeah, you know, so. it, adds,
0: it adds like the, a little bit of audience participation yeah, about you know. forcing it in there you know you're not, it, yeah. you're not like sing after me everybody you know it, yeah. just, it just happens you know so it's kind of neat yeah, Plus, there's like nothing
2: better when you know you got the audience with you. It's like, no.
0: this is great. Yeah. Um, and like you said about the kazoos, like, you're not just doing that as a goof. It sounds good. It yeah. actually sounds really good, which is the Well, most if we more... can make them laugh, we'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. We're not going to get anywhere on our good looks. Because <laughs> it's so really
3: hard to get them to sing along with the Ohio, Iowa, Idaho, Hawaii Highway. <laughs> right. yeah.
0: but that's, that's probably one of the other good things about you guys is you guys have band uh, a little bit of band like uh, inside jokey kind of things that you guys have with one another that you don't necessarily announce to people that are jokes, but it's just kind of like uh, yeah. almost like. To yourselves, it's funny. It's like you're a five-person Andy Kaufman kind of thing going up there. Or, you know, (laughs) I didn't tell
1: the whole story about about Brad's
4: uh, dirty underwear in Cherokee. (laughs) 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 Hey, did we tell you what town we're from? What town are we from?
0: Rolling Pinpoint, Iowa. Iowa. Yes, Yes. Uh, So there's, that's, you know, like I said, that's... uh, yeah, look it up on a map, everybody. Uh, it's four blocks long, and we have three roundabouts. There you go. <laughs> so, Scott's the city planner. Um, no. <laughs> this week. Yeah. This, this week. week. Rotating <laughs> duties. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah.
0: This week, uh,
4: Brad is actually the mayor.
5: Oh. Rolling. Ooh. And in, uh, Point. Uh, Iowa. Iowa. All right. <laughs> Good, so, I, was, I was tired of being in the insane Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: it's tough because when, when one of us gets sick, you have to be the town cop and the town drunk on the same week. Yeah, but we've had to split game. that up. You know, <laughs> it's just too tough
4: now. I mean, you can't be drunk
0: all week. You can't get anything done. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And these are, these are the kind of things that I think are the funniest parts about, like, you know, uh, you guys as a band, like i said a million times over, you guys really enjoy each other's company. And that's something that I feel like translates to the crowd because you can kind of tell if people don't necessarily get along, Ooh. and they're on stage together. Yeah, it uh, it's intangible. It, do- it doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always come across <laughs> in the music, but it happens sometimes and it's kind of rough. Uh, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I've I've never really been in a band with people I don't enjoy their company, so I've been pretty lucky for the most part. Yeah, probably. you have. But mm-hmm. I've always sat back and and tried to be like. I'm going to pick and choose where I'm going to be here, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to pick and choose what kind of stuff I'm going to put up with, which I think is one reason it took me so long to actually want to play in a band. I'm a, that and my low abilities, but like, still like, uh, you guys, as far as a band, you guys are, you know, one of those things I look up to as a person trying to play music. Like I just kind of, it's, it's nice to know that there's bands that can get along as much as you guys do have fun on the stage, off the stage, you know? And, uh, and be as good as you guys are, as polished as you guys are, uh, to be able to throw in your own stuff, to be as good as each one of you guys are. It's, it's, uh, it's just kind of a fun thing to go out there and see. And uh, I really appreciate you guys at least you know taking some time out of your day uh, coming from all across uh, northern Iowa and, and a little bit farther away uh, mm-hmm. to, to come here to meet with me. It's, it's really awesome. Well, Rolling Pinpoint, Iowa is a big town. Yeah. 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 I had to Corrupted. drive all the way from across. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Up to 12. All those down. roundabouts, I, I get confused. About. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, You know, I, it's tough watching bands that don't get along. Oh. You know, especially the ones Well, we've on, all been in them, right? Especially the ones yeah. on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's moments that were out there
3: that, you know, you're playing and somebody's doing something and it just magically happens to where you it almost, you have to almost stop and you're looking at what somebody else is doing and appreciating what they do. And I think that's... Well, you
4: and I get to laugh when something really goes. Yeah, you know, it's like,
3: you know, and there's all the little gimmick things and stuff, but there's those moments where like all the tones, the vocals and everything are right. And you're looking around and everybody else is kind of going like, God, did you guys just hear that too? so Which is neat. But then we do the laughing and the joke and stuff. It was, you know, it's... Looney Tunes just crack me up. Yeah. You know, watching those old cartoons. Like there was one day, you know, like Chris, well, we were pulling cables, and it was like, and Chris has a spool, and I've got a spool, and all of a sudden we're both just like, we can't pull them off fast enough. We didn't need all those cables, and you know, we were, we were unwinding the whole thing. It's just like it just looked like an old yeah.
4: cartoon <laughs> deal. Like, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get you there. Oh, you know, but oh, and, and that, uh, the, the the Brack the Brack thing. <laughs> oh god. my god, oh, that was hilarious. Oh. We've got time for one more?
0: Okay, story. who's gonna yeah. tell it? <laughs> Hit me with them. Yeah, <clears throat> we were
2: oh
3: we were playing Fourth of July up in in Cylinder, Iowa, and it was a great crowd. And they said, "Can you guys put on some patriotic music for the fireworks display, and run it through the PA?" You know. And so I went, and I've got a buddy who's. Uh, uh, director of bands uh, dan cassidy i said you got any patriotic music And he's yeah and he comes over to the house and he's got like eight cds of like the navy band the air force band the army band and stuff and there's all this stuff so i just download it all onto my ipod mm-hmm. it's just like i'm just because you know we're about two hours out from having to take off so i just throw it on there and i put it in this and it falls in this various artist's Category. Yep. So it's like you know, going on during you know during this all the fireworks and, and all of a sudden it just stops. Welcome to cooking with Brack.
0: On tonight's
3: show, we're making my special poo 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 platter. Some yes. people are happy with just a little poo. Some people they like. You know, poo poo but I had extra poo to mine for that extra kick and I'm like 40, 50 yeah. feet away from the <laughs> iPod and it's just
4: <laughs> Scott's in tears cool and over, scrum. Scrum. And over all of the scrum.
3: booming and all this stuff going off and me trying to get there I can hear Scott ha!
1: Yeah. Oh, I get, get up the
4: go, and my wife looks at me, nah, just let it go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm hoping there's no obscenities on this video. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Epic. Oh. Epic.
3: oh my gosh. But one of those where it's like, you know, and I'm holding the camera because I'm taking, you know, I love taking photographs. I'm trying to capture all these, and all of a sudden you're like,
4: what the?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man and that's the kind of stuff though like sometimes uh, even though you try to like work that stuff out some some of those little fun little things that happen are inevitable you just roll with the punches and kind of go with it and they it makes a good story for later yep. you know so you ain't a kidding yeah and uh, it's You know, like I said, a million times over, you guys are one of my favorite bands in the Northern Iowa area. I'm super glad you guys got a chance uh, to get everybody together and afforded me the opportunity to sit down with you guys and talk to you. I'm sure we've (laughs) probably just scratched the surface on a lot of your guys' stories and uh, some fun stories you guys have as a band, but... uh, Maybe we can have you guys on again sometime. That'd be great. I got to tell you,
4: we love your show.
5: I appreciate Um, it. I don't get to listen to a lot of the interviews
4: as much as I want to, but I do try. Um, I I got to hear Chip Evans and Heather Kelly's interview. Loved it. It was great. Um, I hope to hear more. Keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. All of us band guys really appreciate it. Thank you. So, Yeah.
0: yeah. Appreciate it, you guys. Thanks, Thanks for you guys making. Very very Thank much. You. Thanks yeah. for having us. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks, Pete. All right. Awesome. Oh, we did it. We finally did it. Uh, I'm smiling right now because it feels good to actually have this episode recorded and sounding great. And uh, you know, I sat down and talked to the Chris Carr Band when uh when I first I discussed it in the podcast. But when I first started playing guitar, these guys were some of my favorites. Uh, it was enjoyable to see people playing live and uh, getting into it. and uh, you know they were one of the bands that just played a lot around the area when there weren't a whole lot of bands playing around the area. And uh, it was great to see them live. They play a lot of sh- a lot of songs that I like, a lot of shows and places I can I can actually go attend. Uh, nice, easy stuff to get to and listen to. and uh, they're all really, really talented people. Uh, you could tell in the podcast that they all, they all really enjoy one another's company. They all have a good time just kind of goofing around and, and having a fun time. And that's another thing that attracted me to them as a band was the, the fact that they all just get along so well. They're all so, f- you know, just fun-loving uh, when they're up there playing music and just enjoying what they do. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gents, is just going out there, playing the music, enjoying what you're doing and uh these guys are some of the perennials in the area of doing that kind of stuff so uh shout out to each and every one of you guys i really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh to sit down and talk with me about what you have going on and uh speaking about what's going on i want to talk to everybody about the rockin picnic Um, There's a winter event this year, and the Rock and Picnic winter event is going to be February 22nd at Rustics, starting at 8 o'clock. Free admission. I'm going to say that again. Free admission. The show is free. It's worth a shot just to go down there, uh, enjoy the show. Who's playing? It's Jay Clyde Band, Uh, one of my favorite bands in the area. These guys also rock. It's it's gonna be a fun time. They play uh they're gonna be playing some some covers, some originals. Their originals are awesome too. So it's worth checking out. Rock and picnic winter party 2020 featuring the J Clyde Band February 22nd at Rustics and Humboldt. The show starts at eight, and it's free. Need I say more? Free. Gotta love it. Hey, uh, while we're talking about good stuff, I want to talk about Couchtown Coffee. Huge shout out to those guys sponsor- sponsoring us week in, week out. Um, you know, you can you can go to CouchtownCoffee.com. Check out their Facebook page too, Facebook.com slash coffee. You can uh, find a coffee you like, and when you make an order, you can save 20%. Why? Because you're listening to this podcast, that's why. You like local music, they support local music. They want to support the people who support the local music, and that's you. If they're going to give you 20% off your order, all you got to do is enter the code word KKB this week. While you're making your order, you get to save 20%. Hard to beat that. Oh, man, this is good coffee. Don't miss out. Check it out. It's uh, roasted by a musician himself, Andrew Chipman. Uh, likes local music. You know, it's in his family. He's played around the area. He still does play live, so... Uh, Hopefully I'll get a chance soon to sit down with Mr. Chipman. I know I've, I've rumored it before, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Andrew Chipman makes some awesome coffee. Check it out, www.couchtowncoffee.com. Make sure you enter the code word KKB. Save yourself 20%. Hey, guys, hats off to the Chris Carr Band. Man, uh, this is a fun episode, long episode, but you know what? It was good. That's, that's, that's awesome stuff. I want to say thanks to each of those guys for taking the time to, you know, sit down with me. You know, it's one of those deals, it's not easy to sit down with one person, let alone five, and they all sacrifice their time. So, huge, huge thanks, guys. Uh, thanks to everybody that's listening. Go to www.audiblefarm.com. Check out all the other stuff Audible Farm has merch. There's other links to stuff. You can just hit us up. Uh, you know, we're going to be promoting a few shows here and there. Uh, it looks like it's a thing that's going to start hopping in, so check that out. I'll see you guys all next week with another awesome episode. Peace.